0: Praise the Lord. I would like to share this sermon concerning the expectant prayer of a daring church. It's not just praying to know that we have to pray because we are devoted Christian and we have to pray. No, when you pray, expect something to happen. Expect the Lord will move in our lives and through us, His name will be glorified. And I want to give you a story that happened in the book of Acts. Uh, when the disciples were threatened to stop to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, and as we prayed before, uh, my desire in this past week have been really asking God: May the church recover the prophetic voice that we have lost because we are more focused on ourselves and less in God. Let this thing be reversed. That we may have a voice to say. We have a voice. We have a message to say, church. And we need the power of God for this. Because on our own, we cannot do it. So before I uh, read the text with you, let me introduce something. Saying that oftentimes, difficult moments are followed by great blessings. You know, the Lord bless your life. And then it looks that the blessing is taking away from you. And you go through moments of trials and tribulation. And you wonder, Lord, why we have that blessing? And then this, I have to go through this difficult moment in my life. And if we look at this passage in chapter 4 of the book of Acts, we will see how the people that were involved in this, they saw the power of God at work. Peter and John, they were going to prayer in the temple, and they see this man that is paralytic there, been there for many years asking for aims, And uh, they saw this man asking for some money. And Peter said, we don't have money to give you, but in the name of Jesus, we command you to be healed and get up and walk again. So they saw God at work. Everybody was praising God because this man cannot contain the joy of being healed. And what happened? The scribes and the Sadducees, they're starting to uh, threaten the disciples because the name of Jesus was mentioned and because they knew they crucified, Jesus Christ. So the disciples at that moment weren't afraid to proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I pray, brothers and sisters, that we are also not afraid to proclaim that Jesus is Lord. Not afraid... From the threats that we may receive from the world. Difficult times demand extreme prayer. Those people were threatened. And what did they do? They go and pray. We live in difficult times. You just need to listen to the news on the radio. Or watch on TV. And to see that we are living in difficult times. But praise God that the church is called to be the light of the world. And I'm so glad that you choose to be here this morning. Uh, Let's read this text. Acts chapter 4, verse 23 to 31. And may the Lord continue to bless His word to our hearts. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voice together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, saved by the Holy Spirit. Why did Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against the anointed. For truly in this city, they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herald and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan are predestined to take place. Now look at verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats, And grant it to your servants that you continue to speak your word with all boldness. And while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Praise the Lord for this wonderful passage of the Scriptures. I briefly want to share with you three points. The first one is that they gathered together to pray. They gathered together to pray. Praying together was something very important for the early church. And uh, we read in verse 23, When they were released, they went to their friends. And most probably they went to the upper room where they spent the time waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit to come in their lives. And this is very important for us that we understand that the church, the early church, was gathering together to pray. Praying together should and still be a high priority in our lives. Not only for the early church, but for us today. We are called to pray and to search for God's guidance in our lives. If we go, and I will show you through the book of Acts briefly, how the church oftentimes was together to pray. In chapter 1, Jesus said before ascending, stay in Jerusalem. Don't move from Jerusalem until the promise of the Father will come upon you. It's talking about the Holy Spirit. And those afraid and scared disciples, they go in the up room, they gather together, and they pray, and they pray until the Holy Spirit will, comes in their lives. They were not just the twelve. Other people, they joined them. We know that there were 120 that were asking God to fulfill the promise. In Acts chapter 1, verse 14, we read all this with one accord. We're devoting themselves to prayer together. Together. With the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Then we move in chapter 2. When the day came and the Holy Spirit was uh, arriving... Uh, we'll see in, after, in Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. There was a proximity. They were together waiting for the promise of the Father. And this is a huge, huge event that took place in the church and their lives. And my brothers and sisters, if you want to see the hand of God moving, we need to pray together. But the work of the Lord didn't stop there. After the Holy Spirit came in their lives, the Bible says in verse 42, chapter 2, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. They were together again. It speaks about plural and the prayers. It means there was more than occasion that we're praying together. All this activity, breaking the bread be in fellowship well corporately events. You know, it's important when we are alone. But God releases power when we are together as a body of Christ. If we go in chapter 12, Peter was put again in prison. And already there was uh, the execution of James, one of the apostles. And uh, uh, Herod make very clear that the next will be Peter to be executed. And you know what? The church... They gathered together. I don't read the Bible, the passage, because it's a long story. But uh, when Peter was in prison, in chapter 12, verse 5, so Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. They prayed for Peter to be released. And it's a beautiful story that I encourage you to read in chapter 12 you will see how the hand of God moved. And Peter was miraculously delivered from the prison, and from death. And then we move in chapter 13. While the people were praying together, in Acts 13, we read, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them, And then after fasting and praying, they lay their hands on them and send them them off. The missionary work starts while they were praying together, fasting, worshiping the Lord. My brothers and sisters, God will never show up when the people of God are not searching for Him. If we are searching God, who knows, in a meeting like this, the Holy Spirit can talk to one of us our church, and convince the call to the ministry, to a specific mission that we need to implement in our lives, in our church family. So while we are together, we will see the hand of God answer our prayers. So my question to you and to myself, how we will respond to the call of God on praying together? And though most of us, we We'll acknowledge the importance of prayer. Yet, I believe that we don't take the time to come to a service, a prayer meeting. Let's be honest. If there is a potluck, if there is another event, we are glad to come. But what about coming for prayer? Why we are not having the same fervor to come and search God? Now I recognize that maybe praying together loud as we are doing this morning, it's not easy. But I can tell you something. And I speak for personal experience because I'm still a shy person. I remember the first time that I started to pray, I just stood up and I couldn't continue to pray. And uh, I went to sit back again. And uh, my Sunday school teacher, Mario, you did an amazing job. I didn't speak, now words. But you tried. And you know, God will give you gradually the power to stand and pray. Because the Holy Spirit comes in your life. Amen. Believe that God can give you boldness this morning to pray. I want you to think about what happened. If we will spend time in prayer in every aspect and ministry this Church Can you imagine if we start every single ministry with a devoted time of prayer, asking God to move in our midst? I am so sure that God will move in the same way that God moved in the early church. So praying together is powerful. It's powerful, small groups. In gathering like this, we pray together. Because the power of the Lord is in the midst of his people. Praise God for this. The second thing that I notice in this passage is that they prayed, recognizing God's sovereignty. It's amazing. When I see these people, they come together, they pray together and they worship the Lord and pray through the scriptures. It's interesting here. In verse 24, and when they heard it, they lifted their voice together to God and said, Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. They began to pray with praise and adoration. And they praised God for being on the throne, for being in control. They prayed recalling the scripture of David, Psalm 2. They prayed saying, you are the sovereign Lord that rules everything. And it's so touching when I read verse 25. Who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, saved by the Holy Spirit. Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? They know. They can't. Move or change or defeat the power of God. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against the anointed one. For truly in this city here were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus. Whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. To do whatever your hand and your plan Look here, whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. People, Satan thought that crucifying Jesus was the victory. But this was part of the plan of God. (laughs) There is nothing that happened in your life, in our lives, in our families, in our church, that is not under the control of God. Be encouraged by this. They prayed, those disciples Knowing that God is in control. And I want you to realize that when we pray, when we serve our living God with fear and trembling, we are serving and praying the maker of the universe. You are praying a God who is fully in His majesty and glory. You are not praying a religion. You are not praying a statue. You are praying the living God who is sitting on the throne. He's a sovereign God. He's the God who divided the sea for Moses. Is the God that made the walls of Jericho fall down. Is the God that provided a way in times of trouble for His people and provided for them manna and water in the wilderness. He is the God who came in human flesh. He is the God who cast out demons, proclaimed healing on people, proclaimed the salvation of those who were in prison. Praise God. This is this God that we serve today. This is the God that we serve in fear today. So when we lift our prayers, let's remember that He is sovereign. That He is in control. There is nothing that will take God out of surprise. He's on the throne. Our God has everything well controlled in His hand. Even demons are used by God to accomplish His full plan. So pray with confidence. Pray with full confidence. Hallelujah. And then they prayed to unleash God's power in the church. Praise God. Two characteristics dominated the apostles' prayer here. God's presence and God's power. And when we are praying together as a church, we are aware that God's presence is in our midst. But also we are aware that God unleashed His power on the church. They prayed and the power of the presence of God were unleashed. Look at verse 29. And now, Lord... Look upon the threads and grant to your servant to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus Christ. It's no wonderful that those people rely on God's power to perform signs and wonders and to do things that God commanded. My brothers and sisters, when we prayed, let's expect that the miracles happen. Let's expect that things will change because we have been praying. Let's not have a heart divided with doubts. Let's believe that God is working through us. Maybe not in the way that we want, but God is still on the throne and He knows how to work. He knows how to change situations for His glory. And you see, prayer moves the hand of God. Prayer prevails. It is the key to unlock and release the power of God upon His people. When I look at these people, they were fishermen. They were alliterated people. Even the priests and the Pharisees recognized that those people were not educated in the law. But you know what? When the power of God comes... He's able to turn ordinary people in warriors, in men and women of power. Praise God. Oh Lord, send us your Holy Spirit. Fall fresh on us again. That when we pray, people will be as astonished. Because the power of God is released through your servants of God. This is what we need to pray, oh Lord. And may the Lord give us this faith. You see, a spiritual awakening took place as as a result of those prayers. Notice the results that they had. In Jerusalem, they experienced the power of God in a very tangible way. Verse 31, And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled. I like that. No one was left out. But all were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. The anointing came upon the church to continue to do the work of the Lord with boldness. This is, was a fresh feeling, a renewed feeling, awareness of the Spirit of God in their lives. My brothers and sisters, prayer is a... Our weapon against the battle of the enemy. Prayer defeats the enemy. I'm so encouraged when I read in Corinthians that our weapons are not cardinal but are powerful. Powerful. They're spiritual. They're spiritual. They're powerful to reduce, imprison all the reasonaments, every reason, every power of darkness that is against the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And his exaltation. Praise God for this. I love what this man of God. John Henry Drowit says. He was a British preacher. Very influential for his generation. He said this word. It is in the field of prayer. that life's critical battles are lost or won. We must conquer all our circumstances there. We must first of all bring them There. We must survey them there. We must master there. In prayer, we bring our spiritual enemies into the presence of God, and we fight them there. Have you tried that? Or have you been satisfied to meet and fight your foes in the open space of the world? We need to go back to the prayer, my brothers and sisters, is there in prayer. That our battle are conquered and are won by the power of God. You see, the eternal destiny of men and women, boys and girls, is the most critical battlefield. The salvation of their souls. And if we are not battling in prayer, we will not see the hand of God moving. Maybe you are not aware of that. But there is a great revival going on in different parts of the world. The Church of Jesus Christ is growing powerfully. When I look at what is happening in China, you know that in China right now there is the highest population of Christians in the world. Consider that the population of China is maybe 1.4 billion. Even considering that 10%, and this is the lower esteem, are Christians. How many millions of believers are in China? If you consider what is happening in Korea, North and South Korea, in the Philippines, the greatest missionary right now on earth are coming from the Philippines and South Korea. If you consider what has happened in Africa, revival is taking place in many countries of Africa, though there is a lot of persecution. What about South America? Central America. We see a great move of God, and there is one thing in common that those who are experiencing revival have: is prayer, prayer, seeking God's face, humbling themselves before God. They don't have the resources that we may have, but they have the best resource. They fall on their knees and search for God to change their nations. You know where the church is in decline? North America, United States, Canada, Europe, Australia. And you know why? Because in those countries, we have removed prayer from our lives. We are so confident in our own strength that we don't pray anymore. Oh Lord, forgive us. Forgive us, Lord. Let's look again for the power of prayer. And I want to close with these applications. Real prayer is not only soul satisfying. It's life changing. It's life changing. The prayers of the early church was changing them. And I pray that through this meeting also, our lives, our prayer, will be changed. Not just words, but we will be changed. In longing more for God. God. When you and I spend time in prayer, things are changing. Maybe the situation around us will not be changed, but we will be changed inside. Praise God for this. And let's remember, prayer advances God's kingdom. And you know that God is using your prayer to advance His kingdom? I love God. He is a... So good with us. He has the power to say a word and things that can happen even without us. But in his generosity towards us, he's using us to change things. He's giving us the privilege to be part of this and to advance his kingdom. Praise God. And then (laughs) prayer propels the church to move outside its walls. They proclaim the word of God with boldness. (laughs) My dear beloved brothers and sisters. We have a message to give out. Let's not take it for ourselves only. But share the blessing of God. And you know what? The power of the gospel is the best gift that we can give to someone that we know. So I want to close with this other quote from this other a man of God, Samuel Chadwick. He was a Methodist minister, a man of God. This preacher, at one point, he was so precise in doing his sermons and everything. He was well known for his eloquency. At one point, it was so dry in our soul that he put all his sermons and he burned with fire and said, God, why do not see people come to you? And as soon as he surrendered his eloquence to the power of God. That morning, seven souls gave their heart to God. And he was encouraged. His life was changed. He said this word, Satan dreads nothing but prayer. His one concern is to keep the saints from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil. He mocks our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's continue to pray with faith, expecting something to happen. Amen.